Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. The Angie's List you know and trust is now Angie, and we're so much more than just a list. We still connect you with top local pros and show you ratings and reviews. But now, we also let you compare upfront prices on hundreds of projects and book a service instantly. We can even handle the rest of your project from start to finish. So remember, Angie's List is now Angie, and we're here to get your job done right. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I, or download the app today. This is Full Change with Tom Laidlaw. Tom, so who are some of your favorite goalies? Uh, the guys with the big pads on? Well, right. But, well, who's some to play against, to play with? Like wow. So Steve Weiss was a former teammate of mine in college. Uh, played here with the Rangers as well. So sure. We knew each other well. Letty Hanlon and I talk about all the time. Just He just this, he was so intense. Like He wanted to be the best ball. Like I talked so many times. Everybody talks about this. Glenny, fun-loving guy. Always jewel-wheel. Yep. Game day. I'm Serious. Not, did not talk. I'm not saying that I just uh, say like, not talk very much. We are not talk to anybody. We knew after a while, just don't go talk to He was dialed in. Yeah. And he wanted to be so focused. But again, when it wasn't game time, totally great team player. One of the best performances in Ranger playoff history. Yeah. 45 save before, shout out against the Islanders, which was incredible. So he was good friends with uh, Tiger Williams as well. So they played together in Vancouver, I think it was. But they were both like Tiger's big thing was team. Like, and he was, I played with him in LA. I saw it. For yeah. Years. You said that several times. And he was the same way. We were at practice one day and things were going well. And sometimes it, it depends on the team and the coaching staff. Teddy Sadie was coaching. I believe that. Yeah. Sadie was coaching. We're our locker room at Rye, and we go around the room. It was a players only meeting. Everybody would give their opinion. Okay, what do we need to be doing different here? Sure. Sometimes it's a waste of time. Sometimes some good things would come out of it. Um, Mike McHugh was on a team. We called him Cue Ball. Like he was a great guy, but it's kind of like that little bit of a goofy attitude. Yeah, yeah. So we had a great teammate. It wasn't like he was Mark Messier going to stand up in the locker room. Like, right after him was Thomas Sandstrom. Now, Thomas Sandstrom's English was not that right, good. He didn't speak well right. at all. He became much better later on, and we ended up being a fantastic team as well. Oh, you guys worked together in LA too, right? So uh get to Mike BQ and he says, listen, this is something to the effect, this is my job. I show up to the rink and do my job. You know, that was cute, but it was cute ball. Like basically I'm not giving speeches, leave me alone. Yes. Thomas goes right after him. He's nervous, doesn't know what to say. He says, I agree with him. <laughs> right. D- doesn't really know what he's saying. Ditto. Now Glennie, I think already is still in that age where a lot of the guys, still the old school guys, really hadn't accepted the Swedes coming over yet. Didn't think they were better. Okay. It wasn't like he hated the Swedes or anything. Now, at the time, Ted Seeger's wife was Swedish as well. Oh, okay. So now we go out on the actual practice, right? Plain land. And Thomas is one of the few guys. He would go down and fire high shots in the goaltenders. The goalies love that. Oh, yeah. Especially warming up. Oh, yeah. So Glenn, he's, we're walking out on the ice. He's just Tommy. I'm going to kill like he's hot. You can't headhunt goalies at warm-ups, man. This is before we got on the ice. So he knew it was coming. No, no. Glenn didn't know that anything was coming. Okay. That Thomas was just. Wasn't do it. He, this is Thomas. He was just gonna. He was shooting the score. That's the way he played. That's yeah. the way he was gonna practice. You have to admire that. So he shoots. Uh, always hits Glenn in the head. Glenny leaves. Gets out of the net. Now he's snapping. It's already zapping from what happened in the locker room. Right. So it's chasing Thomas Sanser on the ice, yelling at him, calling the chicken shit sweet. Oh we got no. Cedar's wife. Oh no. So, but we know we've got to step in. It like it, that happens in, a, in practice. The coaches don't step in. It's the players step right. in. Right. Right. So we get Glenny all settled down. Get him back in net. About 10 minutes later, Thomas Sandstrom comes down again, shoots another one and said, no, no. Then he said, again, chasing around the ice. <laughs> it was, it's funny now, but it was funny then too, because we're watching this and we know, okay, we've got to get in and break this up. But it was just hilarious. And it just, again, I'd have to admire both guys because Thomas didn't know English at all. He was going to play hard all the time. Like we hated him sure. sometimes when he first started because he would play like, but who grabbed him and said, hey, Thomas, keep him low in warm-ups. Well, it wasn't until he oh. started, it was over time that he started learning. Off the pillows, off the pillows. Man, that was a funny scene. We had, we had another one like that with uh, George McPhee and uh, Steve Richmond where they were just friends. And this is where we didn't wear helmets to practice either. And they got into it. Both well, those guys could throw. Yes, both of them. But they didn't drop their sticks. They started swinging sticks. Oh, so, head. Yeah. so we got separated. Uh, they, we had to take him to the trainer's room. 
uh, to get all stitched up or whatever. And I remember the trainer, Bruce Williams, like good, good guy down here too. He wasn't out there to see the scene. So the training room, it's, there's no separation there. It's just one big room. So the, we, have, we brought them in. We got them all settled down. There's like 10 of us in the training room now. We go leave to go back out to play. Oh, I just think it's all set. <laughs> I said we're chairs at each other. And the wow. came out. <laughs> so we had to go back and set Sticks, chairs. Holy all, God. Yeah. Well, they were two tough guys. Yeah. And I, I don't think they wanted to beat each other up with the fist. So they're using chairs and sticks. So how does that get resolved, I guess? So they actually, I think they both, I know one of them for sure wrote a letter. I think they wrote, wrote a letter to each other. They were really good friends. And then uh, Steve Richmond ended up working with George in Washington as one of the scouts. So they wrote they wrote the letter to each other. Because again, they were, this is this crazy thing about like you talk about getting yeah. respect for Bob Nystrom when he sends me to the hospital. It was, I think you bonded those two together sure. for some strange reason. I don't know how that worked, but um, it was, yeah. It, there, there was a few times in practice where you had fights or things that happened, and you, it, to us, it was no big deal. You knew it was going to die down. But a good way to get a fight is always to wing one at the goalie's head. That always pisses off a guard. How was, how was Eddie Mio with that? Was he? Oh, he, yeah. He didn't like it. Did anybody, I mean, who would like it really? Yeah. John Davidson, when he first jumped rope, if you ever shot a high one, He'd take his catching glove off and he put it on the end of his stick. And next, next time he came down to shoot, he'd be standing there with the glove up in the air. Like, I think one of the Islanders tells us Billy Smith would just leave. He'd just leave practice. Oh, totally. Yeah, there's stories about Ed, Ed Belfort like that too. That he would just leave. Yeah, we went off to the, yeah. My, my, I had a teammate, Craig Shaw, who was notorious for that. Every ball, he just hit a goal in the head. It's like, what are you doing? It's our team. I know. One of the things that's really amazing when we played, they didn't have the big mesh on top of the glass. Oh, right. And, yeah. In warm-ups, because there's like 30 pucks on the ice for warm-ups, guys are always like firing them off the crossbar. Fortunately, I think a young girl. Yeah, 13-year-old girl in, in Columbus. Yeah. That's changed the game. But that, and then change it for baseball too, which is, it it should be. Yes. It's insane. Oh, so I'm surprised more people didn't get hurt. Yeah. People did get hurt, but you know, luckily it was nobody else dying. It was just like stitches. Yeah. That, that's, that's terrible. But goalies, goalies are definitely a different breed. Oh, yeah. And there's some, who, when you were a kid growing up, who was your, who was your guy? Were you like Glenn Hall? Was he your goalie or who? Jeez, that's a great question. Like I told you before, I love talking, but I really don't think that I, like I looked at, I mean, it was Bobby Orr or Meyer, but I, my favorite athlete was that Randy White to line him yeah. Dallas Cowboys. So you have, there was no goalie. You're like, this is the best goalie. Cause like Ranger fans have been spoiled. A very, I mean, with, they have had a run of three incredible goal tasks with, with Shizark and Lundquist and Mike Richter. Right. I mean, Beezer before that. And then even good, you've said JD. Yeah. Eddie Eddie Mio, Jockman before that. Eddie Jockman, Jock, JD, uh, yep. Mio, Hanlon. They, Rangers yep. have always had good goaltending. They were very yep. blessed. She said, that's a great question. I really thought, who would be my favorite goalie? I guess it would have to be like, uh, I mean, maybe like a Terry Sawchuck. Terry Sawchuck. Like those guys that played. He looked pretty rugged. He looks yeah. like, yeah. The guys that played with a mask. That's, that's not. That's, that's, no, they, that don't, was, they don't shoot the puck back then the way they can now, but still. It's insane. Yeah. They're, and these guys are sprawling on the ground. There's skates, yeah. there's sticks. There's, there's a one, one great video of Johnny Bauer with Sean Maple Leafs. He blocks a shot, hits him in the mask, and then somehow he can't get his hands up right like that, and he's diving face first <laughs> again to get the rebound. Uh, with his face full explosion. That's I think it. he got hit. That's insanity. Well, plenty of those didn't wear batting helmets back then, too, and guys would actually yeah. die on a baseball field, yeah. which is 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 nuts. So, like again, my first year, the first year there, you were required to wear the helmets, but anybody before that didn't have to wear a helmet. So there's, I bet you, well, at least half the league wasn't wearing helmets. Insane. Yeah, you think of And the game, I don't know. It, it, yes, it's changed. I, I also think it's more, I think because guys didn't wear helmets, I think maybe guys are a little bit more careful not to hurt somebody. I, mean, I don't think they care. These, yeah. guys, these guys are, you know, initiating each other and shaving each other's balls in the dressing room. I don't know. But this, didn't, uh, didn't Ed Kia, wasn't he killed yeah. by a shot? Or was it, did did he kill he, him? Was it a fall or was it a yeah, I thought he got hit. Um, yeah. yeah. But did he die? I think he, oh, I think he eventually died. Yeah. It's terrible, man. Yeah. I don't want to see any of that stuff. Well, that's just scary. So, I mean, that football player for the Bills, right? The, the, Hamlin. The, yeah, but he's okay. It looks like he's, uh, he's he was at, I think he was at Yankee Stadium very recently. Back, I was never a part of it, but uh, I remember like, uh, Pronger got hit in the chest in Detroit. It's hard stop, right? Yeah, hard stops briefly there. The Fisher, I think it was in Detroit. Mike uh, Fisher? Uh, no, it was... Uh, oh, Yeri. Yeri Fisher. Yeah, yeah. He, I think they had to get well, resuscitate him. Alexei Charponov, the Ranger draft pick, died in Russia yeah. in a game. Right? He had a heart defect. But, yeah. And now they, like, I don't know how it was when you were coaching, but like my son in baseball and in hockey, they have to wear heart guards. Well, it's, it's, it's required. Oh, can't play without it. Yeah. Oh. Well, hockey, it's, it's part of your shoulder pads now. Right. But baseball, if you don't wear it, you can't play. Right. Do they have? They, I'm pretty sure everyone's required to. One of those defibrillators, those automatic defibrillators. You've been, you've been to Fritz Dietl. You know, do they have one? I don't know. Maybe they do. And actually, going on a little tangent here, but Fritz Dietl, legendary barn in New Jersey, just got uh, is up for a sale. So, oh, yes. it might be the end of an era there with the one of the world's what unique rink that is. One of the world's yeah. most unique rinks, for sure. It's, it's so if people haven't seen it. It's worth worth going to just take a look at. It. So there's no benches. Uh, to get off the ice, you go through a door. Galley doors, like, yeah. like in a restaurant, right, <laughs> right into the lobby. Yeah. 
I walked in there and I thought, this can't be the right place. You're doing a, you're doing a ranger club. It's a legendary barn built, I think, in the 50s or 60s. And it's, it, unfortunately, I think it's going to be sold and demolished. So oh, it's, it's too bad. But then that's, it's, it holds a special place. That's where we, we've had Tom Flaylo. That's where this whole podcast got started. You know, it's funny. I used to go to Fritz Deed, a lot of places. I had one of my good friends is my goalie, my old goalie, Carl Muller. And I, when I was a kid, there wasn't much ice in New Jersey. Right. Fritz Deed was one of the places you could play. So I don't know how my parents are okay with this, but he would pick me up at four in the morning. Right. He was probably 19. I was probably four. So we would drive to play pickup, open hockey or whatever it was at 4.30 in the morning. You couldn't get a Fritz was sometimes, but it would be like Totowa right. where the devil should practice or we had like McKay Park and Sportorama and that was it around here. Yeah. And um, it was just, it was a great adventure. It was just, some, it's amazing that, that that's what we had to do to play. Sure. Even to get that, this, you know, bad men's league player level, that was what you had to do to play. Yeah. Know? And it's, it's just, I guess the abundance of ice you have in Canada is, oh, it's a, that was the thing too, like growing up the farm is another reason I was so lucky we had a pond so we'd freeze over. One of the best things we do in a field, uh, and it was a shallow area, lower area in the middle of the field. So we have snow, it would melt, and then it would refreeze, so it became the rink. Yeah. But there was like tufts of uh, uh, grass sticking up, so I'd be sticking through the grass. Yeah. It, was, it was actually, it was cool. Really the yeah. I, I love, our pond would freeze a cage, but in Jersey, it did, yeah. you know, if we got a cold winter, you'd get out of maybe three or four times. Right. I loved it. It'd stay all night, but um, it just didn't happen enough for yeah. us, you know? It sucked. We had snowmobiles on the farm, too. And I, so when the ice would freeze like that, it was okay for me to skate up, but the snowmobiles weighed more, right? So sure. my father would say, listen, don't drag the snowmobile out because it's, so, it's going to go down. That would only be like a foot deep. It wasn't like I was going to. But still, it could ruin the snowmobile. Well, so of course, do I listen? No, no boy. I, here I, we go. I drive over. <laughs> I'm it's not good. You know, I'll drive fast. Laid law lessons. Oh, God. Right to my poor father. Now, he has to get the other snowmobile as close as possible, sure. wade out into the cold, freezing water. And then tie a rope to the, of course, he has to do it. I, I'm this, young enough. Is this at night? This happened? No, I do. What's during the day? I, so he's got to stop farming. Well, he can't, it's it's winter, so he's not right. really farming, right? Yeah, well, there's still, there's always, you know, milking the cows and some kind there's of stuff. But so, yeah, it's freezing cold. And he has to walk out there. And I've never taken my saw home. He's yeah. Kill me. He's going to kill you. Yeah. Rightly so. Yeah. And he didn't. Yeah. He's got a good dad. <laughs> he was a good dad. It's always too good. Yeah. He, yeah. Uh, one yep. of my best stories about my youngest son, Cody, uh, we go to the gym together when they got old enough. So I would go after school. They got a school. Sure. Pick, pick, Go to the gym, and the gym we went to was uh, they had a basketball court, so we'd go play basketball, get warmed up, and go lift. And it was a period of time with with Cody where we were button heads all the time, and I I don't even know what it was. They were just we, we you know go through that with your kids with your genetics, you don't realize it. <laughs> and uh, if you met him, he's, he's the same way. So um, we're warming up, and all of a sudden the basketball hits me in the back of the head. I don't oh. get, it must have been an accident. He must have been like thrown someplace else. I turned around, looked at it, and he's got this look on his side, like. Like, screw you. I did that on purpose. Well, he's just, you in the head. Yeah, hit me in the head. Oh, with wow. a basketball. Oh, boy. I, I, at oh, first, oh, I, yeah, oh. first, I turned around and looked and said, okay, it was an accident, right? Then I looked at him and he's, he doesn't say the words. It was basically, okay, I, yeah, I threw it in your head on purpose. What are you going to do about it? So now I snap. Now we're uh, probably about six or seven miles away from home. We got to get on 95. It's fresh hour. Oh, boy. So I'm steaming. The whole ride. Okay. What? The whole ride is steaming. Oh, yeah. Get in the car. And uh, so she, my older son, he doesn't know what's going on. He didn't see it happen, but I, I'm so right. mad at this point. Get home, uh, get off the main roads, uh, get cut off by a woman. And I'm about to get out of the car and say some choice things. Shane gabs me by the back of the pants. Yeah, don't get that. Yeah. So where they lived with their mother where I was dropping them off, at the end of the driveway, they had this uh, kind of ravine. It wasn't like it's like 100 feet long. I said, yeah. like you go down 10 or 15 feet. Wait, that's this is happening right at drop-off? Yes. So you're leaving on that note. Yeah, so oh, Okay, so I go to drop, I drop them off. Cody now is walking in front of the car. He doesn't say the words to me, but he turns and looks at me again with that same look, like screw. Whoa. So I go to get out of the car and confront him. I forgot to put the car in the park. Oh no. So it's I'm not all the way out of it yet, but it starts to roll towards yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow, so he's making the bad situation oh, worse. God, then I got got the car now. How you and I said I'm not even gonna talk to him. He was smart enough to wait about three or four days and he stops where do best for us. I never, never forget this. And he stops, he goes, That would have been pretty funny if that car rolled down. <laughs> he said that. Not sorry for hitting you in the head with the basketball. Oh, but it broke it broke the ice. Yeah, I did. Wait, and was Cody a goalie? Uh, no, she no, was. She was. Yeah, Cody was a great athlete. Just really didn't want to play in football. He was smaller, long snapper for the football team in high school, and I loved it. But just didn't. So Shane was the goalie. Shane was a goalie. Yep. Gotcha. And, and then you were okay with that because we started this talking about goalies, and Shane Shane was okay. You were a goalie. You you were okay with yeah. that. I, you know what? I never had any. In fact, in some ways, I didn't want them to be like going after being an NHL player unless. Unless I really felt like, okay, this is the, the absolutely love it. They've sure. got the skill level to potentially make it. it. Neither one, Cody was playing house league hockey one time, scoring like a hat trick. Teammates cheering his name and everything. And I thought, man, he's going to really love it. 
just didn't want to play anymore. Yeah. And, and Shane being a goalie, it's just a separate thing from what you did. It's yeah. Almost, it's, yes, it's the same universe, but it's totally different. He didn't want to listen to anything I said. So I would say to him, like, genetics. Yeah. Like get out of the blue paint. I, yeah. I wanted to teach him both life lessons too. It's like, you know, get, sure. get out of your comfort zone. And I tell him all the time, get out of the blue, blue paint. You never do it. Another random coach, I came along, just a dad one day, and he says, uh, Shane, you better if you get out of the blue paint. Yeah. Gets out of the blue paint yeah, everywhere. We tell this, this is our coaching strategies now with eight year olds too. It's the same thing. They just don't listen to their dads, but yeah. they listen to somebody else. But this, um, just to take it back full circle. So this episode today we have, and I mentioned my friend Carl Muller, who's a listener in Houston, very loyal listener. Hi, Carl. This is his favorite goalie, a big Flyer fan, and he loved this next guy who is a legend in the NHL world and hockey world. And he's won two Stanley Cups. He's a, an amazing character. We're gonna love it. He's our new friend. We're buddies. We're going. We're gonna. You'll see at the end of this. We're gonna be hanging out soon. Very motivational too, right? I didn't Great. realize about him. Like, you know, he's very, like, and again, his English isn't perfect. He speaks kind of that French accent, but just like life, you yeah. know, always trying to help kids. Awesome. Talk many times about how help And kids. always happy, positive, smiling. Yeah. And his, his wife, Ginny, is great too. And they're going to love this Bernie Prawn episode. Yeah. And she's a smart woman too. She said I was handsome. So it's a very smart woman. Very good taste. I, 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 think, no, he, that was, I think that was to me. I'm not sure. I don't remember. Well, people will hear that. Listen, like, enjoy, listen, share, and thanks for listening. Tom, we have a lot of uh, great guests on the show, but today we truly have a legend. We have maybe the mayor of the Wells Fargo Center now, flyer legend, number retired, two-time Stanley Cup winner. We have Bernard Marcel Perrant on the show today. Wow, this is the first time I've met Bernie. We played against each other in the alumni game. Uh, that really was that like eight or nine years ago, but I never had a chance to talk. Right. So how are you doing? Fantastic to meet you today. That, that was, I remember making a great save on you. That was awesome. <laughs> You got two gay too, and I was actually trying to score too. Did we play against? When did you retire? Nineteen seventy nine. Okay, so I came yeah. out in nineteen eighty. So I just missed you. Oh wait, well. So where'd you grow up, Bernie? Where's home? Yeah, well, I grew up in um, uh, Montreal, and um, I was, you know, as a kid, my dream. And I shared this with a lot of people. My dream was always to play a national hockey league. You know, and I had a lot of um, a lot of people, friends, you know, a lot of people trying to um, discourage me and just stay home, get a little job, and like we do, and everything will be fine. And I learned, and I shared this with a lot of young kids, I learned to, I learned, I learned at the time to push that aside and keep focusing on my uh, passion. My vision was to play the National Hockey League, and it worked out very good. Yes, it did. Oh, yes. It's amazing, right, when you look back at growing up and people will tell you you can't do it, right? I mean, you're able to, certain people are able to fight through it. Like you obviously had something inside of you that gave you the ability to fight through that and not listen to those people, right? Yeah. You know, it's a, um, it's important. It's important. And I, like I said, I shared this with a lot of, a lot of young kids today in school. It's, it just doesn't apply in sports. Apply, it applies to the world of business for that. Yeah. Matter. Yeah. Very true. Very true. All the nair, sayer, you know, they, you know, they don't agree with you. It's not nice, but you have to push them aside, push them away, and keep concentrating on your uh, passion. And when you live your passion, or you're dreaming about your passion, life is, you know, you're having fun because that's your passion. This is what you want to do. And it kind of teaches you that uh, you can really do anything you want. Anything. And then as you move on, then you, you keep that passion. It, it shows you that you can really do anything in life, even after the game is done. You can do other things in life too, right? Because you've taught yourself that you can fight through all that. Oh, definitely. You know, it's the same thing. You know, you have to have, you know, you have to have, for me anyway, you have to have a goal, you know, and you have to have, again, a passion in what you want to do. For me right now is to um, to do some PR work, you know, and, um, uh, with uh, different corporations and a good situation I have with my wife. I'm not a businessman, but I perform. So uh, she's a businesswoman, so it's a good connection we have between the two of us and then you know, it works out well. So, um, you know, you, you think about what you want to do, doing right now is share with younger generation, like what we're talking about, you know? Yeah. And uh, it's amazing if you have kids about, if you ask them at the beginning, say, what's your passion? They'll look back at you and say, what do you mean by passion? Well, so, um, so it's something, you know, I think something I feel like we have to teach our young kids right. learning about your passion. And what is passion is something that you would really love to do. Right. Go, go ahead and do it. Right. 
And then work ethic, you do it every day too, that consistency and discipline that they really got, if you want something bad enough, you've got to put the work in to get it too, right? Yeah, of course, of course. But it's work that you enjoy. Yep, um, definitely, definitely. So who who did you play junior hockey with? Uh, played the uh, junior hockey with uh, Niagara Falls. Oh, wow. And um, that's when I got uh, I got drafted by the Bruins, and I ended up in Niagara Falls, which was a farm team, the Boston Bruins. Oh, that's right. I forgot about Boston. That's right. Yeah. And and um, and the second year, second year we uh, we won the Memorial Cup. You know, which it was uh, it was it, it beautiful. We had the we had a great team, a great place to uh, play hockey. It was awesome. Yeah, Niagara Falls was Derek Sanderson. Uh, was he there as well? Yeah. Oh yes, the third. Yeah, would you? You know, they, yeah, it's good men. As a matter of fact, a quick little story about the third. When um, with Niagara Falls, you know, one day in nineteen sixty-three, my God, I think Jesus was alive. It's a long. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And in nineteen sixty-three, we um, we were playing pool um, in, in midday. You know, when. Around no eleven o'clock, noon, or whatever. After practice, we're playing pool, and that's when we found out that uh, the tragic um, story about uh, John F. Kennedy when he um, when he got assass- assassinated. You know, and um, I'll you know never forget this. But the third, you know, you talk about the third. He's a uh, a great, great individual. Love him. Yeah, yeah. He's got a personality. You two personalities in that same room there. Those are two pretty big personalities. Oh my God! You know we uh, we um, we had fun, and we had a, a good coach in Bill Long. That was our coach, and yep. the the owner of the uh, the team happens, and um, and we um, we had you know we we had the nice nice little little city to back us up, you know, and mm-hmm. um, and um, we had that then we had a good goalie. Yeah, I won't mention his name. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. I love it. You know, just just to show you, look at this. Here's a prime example. I'll come back again about your passion. One night before I left Montreal to go to Niagara Falls, I couldn't speak English. I still can't. But anyway, I couldn't speak English. And many times people would tell me, they told me, stay home, find a job. Why go to Niagara Falls and all that stuff? And it was, I, I wanted to play National Hockey League, and I know this was a step. Closer when I got to Niagara, supposed to reach a national hockey league. I went there, couldn't speak a language. I didn't, I didn't even have equipment for, um, for a um, couple of months. Oh, wow! And um, and they uh, finally, the organization decided to uh, get me some equipment, and then I, I started playing. But for a couple of months, I didn't even play. But I stayed with that passion, you know. And when you feel good about something, eventually, yeah. it, it will. Um, it will show up. Definitely. Do you do more motivational speaking now with these kids? Yeah, I do. I do um, once in a while, and I uh, I I'd love to uh, um, older too. But uh, we'll see the younger generation talk talk about that. What is it that you love to do? Yeah, yeah. And um, the thing that you um, you have to do one step at a time to reach. You don't get yeah. You know what? And when. I keep mentioning passion all the time, but when when you have a passion for something, then you become happy. Life is fun. Yeah, no question. You don't mind, you know, taking the steps they have to take to get to the next next level. It's a beautiful thing. Mm, great, I, I agree, hundred percent. That's fantastic. So after Niagara Falls, where do you did you go go to Boston? Where went? Yeah, yeah, went to uh, Boston, and then, um, at the time they had um, Ed Johnson and Jerry Cheevers. Oh, that's right. Yeah, so it was only twenty years old. And think about this, going back to that passion again, I wanted to play the National Hockey League, not the minors, the National Hockey League. That was my ultimate goal. And, of course, with Johnson, Johnston and the Achievers, they ended up in Oklahoma in their Boston farm team. And my mind was always, you know, always on playing for the Bruins at the time. And, and I, um, I played, I played in the, for about five weeks, in Oklahoma, and then I received a phone call one day that the two goalies got hurt at the same time. So they called me up, and my first game was against um, uh, Chicago in Chicago. That was uh, 20 years old against Bobby Hall, Stan Vichita, and all those guys. Wow. How'd that first game go? 
Well, the first, yeah, the first game against um, Black, I said it was good. We tied the game two two. Wow. Yeah. And yeah, and um, it was a um, I did it what plus in Ch- Chicago they had like like twenty I think twenty four thousand people. Such a big building. Wow. Yeah. And uh, the noise of the crowd, you know, and um, the team and the whole bit, the excitement is just just it's just incredible. How I remember some of the plays, I'll never understand that because it was so um, so um, so exciting. A lot of things I don't remember, but a you know, was stepping on the ice and and um, and looking at this big crowd, the over twenty thousand people. Wow, that was incredible. Another no, that, for it. That yeah. feeling, that feeling, right? Because you dreamed all your life of getting to the National Hockey League. You played your first game in the Chicago Stadium. Bobby Hall's on the other team. Man, I remember my first game. I had training camp. I was up in Boston. I'll never forget it. It's just like I can't believe I'm really here. Right? Do you get that feeling? Oh yeah. Oh yeah, you know you um, because in Chicago, what you have to do from the dressing room, yeah, you have to climb up about uh, 14, 15 steps to yeah. get on the ice, yeah. And um, with all the equipment, at first you say, "What am I doing here?" Right? <laughs> and finally, you get up there, you get on the ice, and you look around, you know, and uh, you look at all the crowd. It was so so. Um, you know what? I I think the um, the right word is words. I should say. To you. You're so grateful, you know, that um, you're part of the team and you're performing on the ice. Right. My Lord. Thank you, Lord. Yeah. Uh, is that true? Yeah. It's just that it's unbelievable. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com match. Just go to Indeed.com match right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. There's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? Coming! And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card... Hey, this looks amazing! I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. It's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. So now, how how many games did you get in before the other guys got back? Um, I stayed with Boston for two years. Oh, okay. yeah, yeah. I stayed with Boston for two years, and uh, then the expansion team, oh, that's the right. expansion game, and that's when I got drafted by uh, the Flyers. Oh, that's right. So, um, so you know, so I was there for uh, two years. We weren't that successful, but um, we had a good tough, you know, good. Um, Ted Green and all those guys. Yeah. We had the, uh, thank God they were on my side. <laughs> yeah. So was Bobby Orr there? Were you there? Uh, second year. Yeah. Uh, second year, Bobby Orr came up at, um, my Lord, what a player. Huh? What was he, 18, 19, I think, when he came up. Had a great personality, you know, great individual. Best, you know, best by, uh, I played against all the good, great hockey players. You know, had, uh, and Orr had to, um, uh, had to be the best, you know, in my mind, the best ever played on the team with him and against him, the best uh, player. And what a person, too, right? They seem like he's got a fantastic personality, too. Yeah, always, um, you know, positive, positive person, you know, always a smile on his face. Yeah. And, uh, and um, you know, if, uh, hey, let's face it, if you have the talent that he had, you'll have a uh, smile on your face every day after yeah. you feel, you know? Yeah. That's a good way to look at it. Yeah, definitely. I agree with that. So what was the team like? Obviously, it's a first-year team in Philadelphia when you get there, so the team's not very good at that point, right? No, no, no. We, um, um, well, I uh, share duties with uh, Doug Favell. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Doug Favell. And, uh, you know, we became uh, good friends. They you know, good, uh, great, um, great individual. And, um, and they, um, 
the thing, you know, which it's one of those things where you, uh, you know, you have, you have 18 players or 20 players that never really played on the ice, you know, on the, on the same team. And, um, the first year was a, you know, difficult, you know, difficult year. And then the second year with, with the Flyers, that's when I got traded to, um, to, uh, Toronto. Okay. And, you know, I was disappointed, of course, you know, been traded to Toronto, but then on the way up there, you know, I realized that, that at least Toronto wants me. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And I didn't realize something that something I'll share with you that changed my whole career, you know? And when I ended up in Toronto, I realized I was going to share duties with a sharp plum. Oh, wow. Yeah. You know, a great goalie from Montreal. Yeah. I watched him when I was a kid. Yeah, that's that was 43 years old. I was like 22, 20, 23 years old. Right. So I, I watch it quickly. I watch him practice, you know, I watch him play games. And finally I asked him, I said, Zhao, can you teach me? He said, of course. I did it in French, by the way. He oh, said, yeah, of yeah. course. You know, so um, so we uh, so we work, you know, on um, different angles, how to visualize, how to understand different plays and stuff like this. And I became <clears throat> a much better goalie, a different goalie. And then at the end of the second year with Toronto, if you recall the World Hockey League came in. Yeah. It, yep. And I received a phone call one night and would you uh, about, would you like to join us? Let me think about it. So I thought about it for a couple of days and I said, you know, everything I had learned from Plan, I said, this is a new venture, you know? I said that, why that go? If it doesn't work out, I'll come back to the National Hockey League. Well, it didn't work out. So I came back to the National Hockey League and when you, you got back to the National Hockey League, you had to go back to your original team, which was Toronto. Wow. And not too long after, Toronto traded me back to Philly. Oh. And the following two years, we won the two Stanley Cups. Wow. So I shared this with a lot of people, a lot of kids. You know, you got to take risk in life. Yeah. Calculated risk, but you have to take risk. Yeah. And I'm glad that I did because if I didn't take the risk, I would have never played in Philly. So was Toronto management upset with you when you left and then came back? Yeah, they, uh, you know, yeah, they, they would, they, they, uh, the management, they on that point understood the situation. They don't, they, uh, um, he to make me nut. Everybody was happy, of course. Right. But he, um, but that's this is why, um, actually, that um, I got traded back to the yeah. Flyers, yeah. and what they're, and it worked out great. Yeah. So people don't remember Harold Ballard owned the team at that point, correct? Oh yeah, Harold Ballard was the yeah. Uh, yeah great individual. Loved him. You know, oh, you did? Because he was pretty rough on the players, wasn't he? Yeah. Not bad. Okay. Well, Not bad. Jim, Jim Gregory was the um, yep. the manager. Jim Gregory, yes. Yeah. Oh, he's a good, great guy. He was a great guy. Uh, yeah. Good, yeah. Good, uh, you know, good people. They had good crowds. And I, I loved Toronto. You know, I lived there for a couple of years. And, um, and um, you know, what made me take, make the decision to um, to go to the World Hockey League, I don't know. Sometime, uh, some type of power, I believe, that pushed me to do this. And, um, and, uh, and then the rest is history. We ended up with the Flyers, and we went. Yeah, let's yeah, talk, let's talk about those a little bit, though. That was the Broad Street Bullies. I mean, you guys are legendary. Those two, those two Cup teams. <laughs> they, they, um, uh, the team we had was um, was a you uh, know great team. We just to show people that uh, we didn't have the greatest team in the world, but we believe. Yeah, you know? and when you believe, a lot of good things will happen in life. We had a great uh, captain get on Bob Clark, and uh, I remember with Joe Watson on defense. We had great defense, and Fred Sherrill was a great, you know, great coach. I loved him, and um, Joe would would always tell me in those days, "I'll play the man if they're coming across the blue line, and uh, you play the puck," which it made sense. So if it was a left hand shot, nine out of ten times, most. Most of the time, it was 10 out of 10, the puck, the shot would go to my stick side. So it was, it was easier to anticipate where it would go. If it's a, it was a right-hand shot, then the, the puck would go to my left-hand side, you know, to my glove, and things like this. So um, so it was a, um, a, we had a great understanding. And I remember uh, quickly with Fred Shero in practice, every half hour before part of the practice, we would learn how to come out of our zone. 
in different ways. And we very seldom made a mistake. Honestly, God, the guy shut the park inside behind, you know, would stop it behind the net. I could have taken my gloves off and smoked a cigar. You know? that's, all. <laughs> that's how confident I was, yeah. But in addition to this, what I learned, I had learned from Plant that was able to share this with our defenseman. And we had a great, um, great combination there. That was awesome. Yeah. Hey, go back to Jacques Pot real quickly. Did he have a mask on by then? Had he started wearing a mask? Here's 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 the um, individual that um, you know people laughed at him at the beginning, and now everybody's wearing yeah. everybody's wearing a, you know wearing a mask. I remember within think about this a quick story. His sister lived next door to us, okay, and I was yeah, I was young, a little kid at the time, and um, once a summer, Cloud would come in with a big uh, convertible, you know, big car. And parked the car in front of the um, his sister's house, which was next door to us. Wow! Come out of he would come out of the car with a, a, a cowboy hat on, oh, his cool. cigar, walking, you know, and and hugging his sister. And I watched, and I had the shake. You know, it was so incredible that we he handled himself, which just 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 fantastic. Great memories. That's incredible, right? You go back to that memory as a kid, and now you're playing with them in Toronto, right? You're the end of a screw. That's fantastic. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You talked about Bobby Clark, though, and everyone you know mentions Mark Messier as this greatest leader in hockey, but Bobby Clark was Mark Messier before Mark Messier. Can you talk a little bit about Bobby Clark as a leader? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Bob was a, um, you know what, a, a, a good leader on and off the ice. You know, somebody had a problem, whatever, off the ice, but Bob was always there to help. Down and uh, to communicate with Ed Snyder, which is to me was greatest owner in the game, and um, and uh, somehow they they would get some help and help somebody, you know. So um, that that was him. But on the ice, Bob was smart, smart individual, yeah. always aggressive, you know, and um, and he um, communicated well with the players, you now and um, and they, they really. What it would do is bring the team together, you know, and you learn this in sports as a young kid. I shared this with people. You know, you don't win by yourself in life. You win as a team. You know, whether it's business or whatever you're doing, you're not doing it by yourself. You're doing this as a team. And that was the same way here. And what we won, we won as a team. You know, although we had a good goalie. But we won as a <laughs> <laughs> I like that. You better have confidence in yourself, right? You got to have confidence. <laughs> Oh, yeah, that's funny. Well, that's the thing people think about the Flyers, right? The Broad Street Brolies, how tough they were. And they were talented, yeah. And they're talented, too. But, yeah, Bernie's right. That that was a close group. Like, something started on the ice. Every one of the Flyers is coming in on it. You're not just fighting one guy, one guy when you're fighting a Philip Flyer. Fighting oh, anybody, yeah. of, of course. And you know what? They, and that was the one thing. We protected each other. Yep. You know, and uh, somebody would give somebody a cheap shot. And, you know, in those days, how many times the, the um, bench would... Um, Empty, right? And then you have a big brawl on the ice, and people loved it. You know, oh, yeah. they had fun. And um, once it was over, then the game started again, and we we played hockey. Forget what happened before. Then and then you you know played hockey again. I remember that one time quickly. We had a big brawl in New York against the Rangers. I was in New York uh, near the end of the season, and Ed Jack, I mean, was you know, we're good friends, you know, and we were good friends, and we're good friends now. And um, the the fight was. In Arizona. So all the bench emptied, right? Ended up there. So I started skating inside of their blue line. And Eddie grabbed me by the neck, right? And I said, Eddie, I can't breathe. Let me go. And he's laughing like hell in the whole bit. And guess what happened? Vic Hadfield came over, took my mask off, and threw him in the stand. Oh, I saw a video of that. That's what that was? Okay, yeah. Yeah, it, it threw it up in the stands. And um, <laughs> the coach for... Um, um, you know, in Toronto, he called me Pepsi, French, you know. They called me Pepsi. And um, they looked at me. We started getting going. He said, Pepsi, get another goal. I said, I don't have my mask. Plount was my backup at that, that game. So Plount had to finish the game. Right. Quick, quickly here. Best story about the whole thing is the next morning, somebody knocked at the door, our place, you know, in um, Toronto, around 8 o'clock in the morning. So I opened the door. I was a father with the son, about 12-year-old kid. And he said, the kid said, Mr. Perron, 
I have watched the game last night. I saw that you lost your mask. I'm a goaltender. You could use my mask. Ah, that's cute. That's cute. That's right. Isn't that awesome? Oh, that's right. That was a beautiful thing. Why? So I, well, so I called the office in the... Um, and then um, I got those two uh, two tickets for the following game. Oh, very good, very so good. That's great. Brent, did they ever find the mask? No, I never never got the mask back until I was about five years later, oh. five or six years. A guy called me from Toronto and said um, I was back in Philly and said uh, I have your mask because they had put the mask in the Hockey Hall of Fame. Yeah. So uh, he said I bought your mask. I said Billy, yeah. And I said, may I ask you, how'd you get it? He said, I almost spent $50,000 to get the mask. Wow. I said, really? Wow, a lot of money. He said, um, I would like you to sign it. I said, well, if you want to come to Philly, I'll be more than happy to, to do this. He said, fine. So he came to Philly, and so I tried to picture this. He was sitting in front of me, the little table. He had the mask in his hand. Then I dropped the mask, I look at it, and I'm giving him some signs like I'm not sure. He was oh, wow. <laughs> he was oh by God, the guy was so nervous. Finally I couldn't do that anymore. So oh, that's this good. is my mask. That's good. Good time. <laughs> yeah. So I signed that and then he uh, got on the plane and went back to Toronto. When did when the coach call you Pepsi? Uh maybe because I'm French. They called me Oh Pepsi. Pepsi. Oh, okay. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, good. Do you, uh, do you know Pierre LaRouche at all? Pierre LaRouche, yeah. 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 Because you guys get the same personality. Always uh, having fun, always positive. Very cool. Thanks. Life is short. And um, and I've learned, I read a lot of books, you know, every morning. I spend an hour and a half every morning reading books on positive thinking, you know, well, and um, and um, enjoying, you know, enjoying life. And, and something I want to share with people, which is also very important. If you're going after something, a job or something, as an example, and it doesn't happen, okay, most people will walk around the um, sad and dejected, you know, it didn't work out, not out. You know, the attitude you have to have when it doesn't happen, keep this in mind, I'm going to repeat this, the attitude that you have to have if what you're looking for a job doesn't happen is because the good old Lord has something better for you. Wow. Now you get excited. You say, I'm wondering what, what's coming next. Instead of feeling sad, you're all pumping. Thank you, Lord. You have something better for me. Very cool. And it works. Okay. Very cool. Very cool. So how many years did you spend in Philadelphia? Uh, 12 years. Wow. I didn't realize that long. Wow. Yeah. 12 years and I was uh, married uh, 10 times. Now I'm just getting married. <laughs> yeah, it's only nine. You're just joking. It's only nine times. <laughs> I took a year off. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, that's, I, I tell you, we talked to all these hockey players, and I mentioned ninety percent of them are ninety-five, at least married, divorced once, usually twice. So, hockey players don't have a good record with marriage. So you had twelve years. So you retired after your time in Philadelphia. You didn't go on any other teams, correct? Yeah, I was. It was uh, nineteen seventy-nine, believe, and um, and I was doing a hockey game, and my defenseman Jim Watson loved him dearly. Was I had somebody tied up in front of the net. That's when you could you could be physical in front of the net. Yeah, yeah. Not like today. Oh no. But anyway, the um, and then Jimmy fell, lost his balance, fell, and his his um, stick hit me in the eye. Oh. So I ended up I skated skated off the ice, ended up in the hospital, and I was um, completely blind, both eyes because it affected the left eye for two weeks. Wow. Yeah, I couldn't see anything, just darkness. And every morning I asked the doctors, how am I doing, doctor? What's going on? And um, and then I would joke with them once in a while and say, hey, what do you look like, doc? Yeah, your voice sounds a little bit funny today. Yeah, you know, I can't see your face, but your voice sounds a little bit funny. But anyway, after two weeks, think about this, 24 hours a day, uh, darkness. You know? wow. And after two weeks, one morning the doctor came in and I said, I see you. How about my vision had come back? Wow. Great. Yeah. Lots of phasing. Did they know it was going to come back? Were they telling you that it was going to come back at some point? Yeah. You know, many times the doctor said, we're not sure. Oh, wow. So it's scary, you know? So um, that's when 
that's when you have to good to have a good positive happy attitude and good things happen yeah you know, well yeah i'm a real believer that you tell yourself you're going to do something like if you tell yourself you're going to see again they really i think you're really yeah. yourself heal yeah now maybe bernie maybe you could talk about this a little bit so your friend and our friend brian prop was on our show and he said after his stroke when he came around he said all he could say was bernie perrant well you know what it cost me a lot of money i paid him a lot of money <laughs> so, <laughs> like, <laughs> brian's a good guy good friend of mine and um and we get together he has a place in florida too but he, he has a place in, um, in, uh, just outside of Philly. And we, um, I take him out fishing once in a while. You know, like I have a 44-foot boat, and um, I do, I go wait him miles out, you know, do a lot of fishing. Oh, wow. And I bring Brian with me quite a few times. He smokes cigars now. Yeah. And um, I love that. He's, he's good, um, great individual. I tell you, he's really got a good attitude about life, too, because obviously the stroke affected him a little with his health, but he lives life all out still. It seems like he's just, doing more stuff than ever so he's good do you bernie you're a philadelphia guy where's your jersey shore house a uh in avalon you don't do that fist pumping do you like the tv show that you walk around there and they like the dancing on the beach and i bet you do uh, no i don't because i wear clothes all the time <laughs> <laughs> your body your body's too good right you don't want to show it off is that what it is <laughs> they uh no but my i'm not a, a you know i'm not a beach person Never was, you know, right. and uh, I'm not, I, I love the ocean. That's why I have a boat. I have a 44 foot boat cool. and which is by the way, it used to be called the French connection. Oh. And when I, when I, after I got married, then I, I got a different boat and, uh, and uh, that became the Italian French connection. <laughs> so guess where she's from. Guess where she's from. Yeah. <laughs> but anyway, the, um, I, I love it. Here you go. I'm living my passion. Yeah, you're really living life all out, right? I, I love seeing that. There's a lot of former players that kind of get stuck in the past, right? They're not living a very good life. They're not healthy mentally or physically. It seems like you just kept on going. You're probably doing a better life now than even when you're playing. You know what? Uh, it, it is. Actually, it is. And uh, I, I I think it has a lot to do with uh, for, uh, to surround yourself with the right people, of yeah. course. Yeah. But, you know, reading, reading to yeah. me is very powerful. You know, good books. And I shared with you earlier at least an hour and a half, two hours every morning. I get up early, you know, five o'clock in the morning, and I do my reading. It's quiet, and it's very good food for the mind, you know, because it's easy. Yeah. It's easy if you don't. It, it, it's like working out. If you don't work out, the body goes, you, you know, yeah. Yeah. nothing happened. But if you work out, you're 78 years old, you go out, you do things, and you have fun. Oh, I agree 100%. Yeah, what a great yeah. answer. Yeah, you're fantastic. We do a lot of shows together, you and I. So I'm, I'm up early all the time too, working out and uh, reading. I don't read books; it's more like online reading. Well, you know what? Here's 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 an idea. Come down to Avalon, okay, New Jersey, and uh, let us know. We have a house on the water with five uh, bedrooms. Okay, I'm coming. And, um, and the boat is behind the house, and um, you bring some friends, and um, we'll take you out fishing. That's the deal. I'm coming this summer. We'll do a show from the boat. Yeah. And then, you know, somebody somebody you don't like, then uh, we could push him overboard. <laughs> Tom, but the producer. Well, well, hold on now. Now it's all quick <laughs> idea. Now we've got things figured out. No, 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 no. <laughs> you sweat. Uh, I can't. You know, so you have JD's phone number. So, yeah. so whenever yeah. you have time, like during your summer, let us know. We'll set it up and uh, we'll give you a good time. And bring oh, it's wonderful. We'll do a show, and, and we just, for the young uh, fans watching or listening, we should tell them, Ber Bernie Perrant has two cons mice. He has two Vezdas. He's in the 100 greatest hockey players of all time. He's in the Hall of Fame, and he's a number retired by the Flyers. This is a true legend and a really good dude. I tell you, personality, too. I forgot about the top 100 players of all time. Yeah. That's a, quite an honor there. They're all those things are honored, but to be on the top 100 of all the players who've ever played, that's fantastic. Good job. Well, it costs me a lot of money, but I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> he also beat your Rangers in the alumni game at. Uh, yeah, the, that's the, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Big save, I, uh, big uh, breakaway by Rod Dugay and Bernie Perrault stoned him too. Yeah, so there you yeah. Go. You know what? I was just going to, going to bring that up, yeah. and he shot. He shot on purpose. He shot on me. You know. So, oh, he did not. What are you talking about? I was going to say, don't say, don't say that. See, that was a great. And, I, and and then I hugged him after <laughs> I referee blew the whistle. I hugged him and I said, "Why did you do this?" He said twice. He said they would have shot me if I. Yeah, was that's true. That's it's true. Really and we had Mike. Ke Mike Keen was our coach, and he was mad because he wanted Duguay to score. He wanted to win that game, so he was mad at Duguay. <laughs> yeah. Oh, so, um, 
yeah, I had good good friends on that team, like Rod Rod Bear, you know, and yeah. and um, even Hadfield, who threw my mask in the stands. Yeah, good, you know, good um, good guys. Yeah, had the uh, you know, and then Jack coming, of course, you know, good, a lot of good people there. Yeah, yeah, yeah that was a fun day. Yeah. We had forty five thousand people in the building watching that game too. That was good. And you know, I always believe, and I'm sure you believe that way too. You have a good crowd that reacts well to a good situation or whatever that bumps you as a player. Yeah, it totally does, yeah. So, Bernie, when you go any place in Philadelphia now, everybody's got to know you, right? Well, if they don't, I introduce myself. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you're the best. That's good. That's good. Yeah. But they, uh, oh, no, no, they're they're good, you know. And um, we, uh, I'm involved with Snyder Hockey. It's a, an organization to um, to help young younger generation to uh, grow you know and and um what if you kids are uh, getting a, a college um you know um expense expenses um all taken care of by uh, it's not a hockey you know it's a beautiful thing and uh, you, you know you get involved with the young young kids younger generation and share the right ideas so hopefully as they get older they carry the the message to uh, younger people themselves right. Well, Bernie, listen, first of all, thank you very much for coming on the show. It's an honor, really, to have you on based on your career and who you are as a person now now, and all the things you're doing to help other people. So you're a fantastic human being. Great to have you on the show. Thank you. I love love you. love you guys. And right. let's let's get together this summer, and I'll show you. Hey, by the way, if we don't catch a fish, we'll buy one. We're coming in another year. <laughs> fantastic. Fantastic. <laughs> let's do it. Please say hello to your lovely wife that got you on the show here, too. So thank you very much. Well. Thanks, Bernie. See you guys. Hey, Tara, thanks. Bye-bye. Hey, wow. I mean, what an awesome personality. What a great career, great life, great person. Bernie, Bernie probably was just amazing. You know, I've heard so many stories about him. I've never, really, I've, we played in a game against each other the yep. night game, uh, but I never really got a chance to talk to him. He was unbelievable. Oh, like, so much fun, man. His outlook of life, like how positive he is. He was 78 years old. 78 years old, great. We're going, he invited us down to go on his boat, the shore house. So let's do it, man. Let's go down there. What a great career he had. WJ for a minute. Yeah, just a man, legendary guy. The combination of how he is as a person and what he did on the ice. That, 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 was, he, that was one of our best shows. That was great. And he's beloved in, in Philadelphia. He can't go anywhere without getting mobbed. Everybody sees him at the games. They know who he is. He's affable. He's a fun person. And one of the greatest you know, players of all time. Yeah, that was a great show. Yeah, that was fantastic. And my friend Carmelo's favorite goaltender. Who was it? Baller, my friend in Houston, his favorite goaltender. goaltender. Wow. I was his favorite defense, favorite defense. No. All right, guys, great show. All right, Grasshoppers, thank you for listening. We had a fantastic show. We'll see you next time.